Good morning. Hello. It's great to be here. Thank you, James. Um, I just realized I know some people here. Uh, the Huff family, it's awesome to see you guys, Lynn and David and Sam. And, and, and Leah, I think, is married and has you guys are grandparents now. Amazing. That is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> That's cool. So we used to go to the same church a long time ago back in Nelson, so it's awesome. Thank you, uh, James, for having me and trusting me with the pulpit. Um, it's like stranger danger sometimes, like, can this person be trusted? What's he going to say? Uh, David's got his hand ready on the mute button just in case there's anything... <laughs> Uh, heresy, uh, so, but it's awesome, and, and uh, it's, it is a privilege. Um, so for those who don't know, just a really quick introduction. I, I pastored a church in Nelson, a New Life Church there for about 15 years, and then in May, uh, after a, six months of sort of wrestling around stuff, we felt God calling us back home, because this, this is actually where we're from, and uh, i take taken on this uh, regional role for sp- sports chaplaincy in New Zealand, which is something I've been involved with for uh, a number of years. So it's been a bit of a, a hat swap uh, in some ways, but really exciting times. We actually have a, a really quick video. It's a promotional video, and it only goes for about 40 seconds. Do you want to play that, Susan? And we'll, we'll have a quick watch, and we'll jump into this. Each week, around 4 million people across New Zealand meet here to play, exercise, and get in the game. Sports reels such as this... Courts, parks, pools, and gyms are packed with players, coaches, and their supporters. Experiencing the trials and triumphs of sport and life. Each week, thousands of us also meet here at church. It's within these walls that we experience a community unlike any other. However, many people feel uncomfortable walking through our doors and so do not get a chance to experience this kind of community. So we need to go to them. And we've been invited to do just that. The demand for sports chaplains to be present is overwhelming. The number of sporting communities that are requesting chaplains is growing by the day. You might be wondering what a sports chaplain is or does. We are volunteers who pastorally care for our sports communities. We're not trained professionals, we're carers, who are willing to be present on the sidelines. Willing to do life with people and listen long enough to know how to guide and refer. If you love Jesus and love to care for people and are already on the sporting sidelines as a keen supporter, ex-player, official or coach, you'll make a great sports chaplain. It's that simple. Thousands of people are already being supported each week. But there are many more opportunities to care and serve. Sports Chaplains in New Zealand needs more help. So are you ready to get in the game? Let's get in the game. 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 Yeah. Do you know what? There's about 7,000 sporting clubs right around the country that, that meet representing, I think, including you know, the connections with uh, supporters and family. Over a million people are gathering uh, on weekends. And there is this opening door for the church to get involved in some of those spaces. So, yeah, have a chat with me after uh, the service if you're interested in that. There is a couple of flyers at the back, including some stuff about what, what I'm doing uh, as well, and part of my role is is to sort of speak to the church and be a voice to, uh, to the church for, I guess, the world outside these walls. And I just want to uh, encourage you today and, and just continue to prepare whatever God is doing uh, in in your hearts for being the representatives of Christ uh, in in your world. And so, 
Uh, I want to speak into a, uh, a little bit more into that. If, if you are taking notes, I've entitled uh, this message, let's make sure this clicker works, uh, Seven Miles in Someone Else's Shoes. Seven Miles in Someone Else's Shoes. And uh, if you've got a Bible, Luke chapter 24, it'll also come up on the screen as well. And I want to I read this account, a strange account, uh, that's recorded on the morning of the resurrection. And most of us will be familiar of it. It's the story of Jesus walking seven miles with two Jewish men who are somehow unaware of who it is that is walking with them. So it says this in verse 13 of Luke 24. Now the same day, two of them, these are the two men, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. This is just the days again following the resurrection. And they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked with them but they were kept from recognising him. Verse 17, he asked them, Jesus says to them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And I love Jesus' response, what things? As if he didn't know, he asked. Uh, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And then these, these two men, they go on to explain to Jesus what had been going on again, completely unaware of who it actually was they were talking to. Uh, jump down to verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Verse 31, then it says their eyes were open and they recognised him. Ta-da! And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? So I want to talk to you this morning about representing Christ and walking out our faith with other people. Uh, Maybe people who are are unaware of even who Jesus is. They wouldn't recognise Him if He walked up to them. They don't know how good Christ Christ is. Let me just quickly pray. Father, I thank You for for this message and these people. Thanks for this moment that we get to have together. And I pray, God, that You would uh, just stir on the inside of us for whatever You're wanting us to do in Your kingdom. I, I pray, God, for... Uh, just uh, inspiration and stirring to happen today in Jesus, in Jesus' name. One one of the one of the strangest things that has ever happened to me uh, involved my feet and and a pair pair of shoes. So a number of years ago, I, I was on a plane with my wife, and we were returning to New Zealand. It was the middle of the night. And it was one of those large planes that, that had lots of aisles in the middle. So I think there were a row of three and I was stuck in the middle. My wife was on my right and there was a guy I'd never met before uh, on, on my left. And uh, everyone was fast asleep and I woke up needing to go to the bathroom. 
Uh, how many have found, you know, when you're stuck in the middle and you've got to get out, it's really awkward. You've got to sort of either probably wake the person up. And, and, and so I was looking to do that and I took off the nice little blanket that they give you and I looked down uh, at my, my feet and I, I discovered one of the strangest things I've ever seen because on my feet were a giant pair of bright blue Crocs. And the thing that was really strange is that I didn't own a pair of Crocs of any colour. I, I do not know where they came from, how the shoes that I was wearing were now replaced by this pair of, of, uh, of Crocs. And the strange thing is they were about five sizes too big. They were massive, bright blue. Anyone got a pair of Crocs? I mean, nothing against them. But anyway, uh, and so I had no recollection of putting them on. I had no idea where they came from. I told you this was strange. And, and I, so I woke up my wife and I pointed uh, to my, my shoes and said, listen, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm wearing a giant pair of blue Crocs. And she looked at my feet and we both started giggling. You know, when you're really tired and the giggles kind of get worse and worse. Well, we were crying. We were laughing so much about what was going on. It woke up the man next to me. And so I assumed they were his. And so I explained it to him. I'm really sorry, but I think I'm, I don't know why, but I'm wearing your shoes. And he looked at my shoes and the shoes and he said, they're not mine. <laughs> and then he started laughing uh, as well. And, and so... Do you know what? I never found out whose shoes they were. I got up, I left them in the aisle and went, went to the bathroom. It's just a really strange story. Uh, and, and so, you know what? Some months later, I'm retelling this to, to, to somebody. Uh, it might have been my mom. And, and, and they joked that maybe God was wanting to put you in, in bigger shoes, right? It was kind of a cool picture. And maybe that's what God, God was like a prophetic kind of picture of something to come, which was quite a, quite a cool analogy. And, and then what was really interesting is that a few years later, probably three or four years later, without even remembering this weird foot story, I end up taking this role as, as a chaplain, the chaplain for this team called the Nelson Giants, which the, uh, the Huffs will be well uh, aware of. But guess, get this, their, their team colour is, is bright blue, just like that pair of, pair of Crocs, and whose feet are absolutely gigantic. Now, if you can't see the picture, if you're watching this and you can't see that, uh, my shoes, and they're a big pair of shoes for me, I can actually slip my own feet inside uh, these guys' uh, own pair of sneakers and walk around in them. Uh, and so, isn't that weird? It's just a, a little funny, a little, a little odd. I don't know what to make of a lot of that, but... But, you know, this morning, I wonder, I wonder uh, what shoes God is wanting to put you in or put you along, alongside. What shoes He may be wanting you uh, to, to, to fill. Maybe why don't you just now take a look at the shoes, your shoes. Take a look down at your feet. Uh, maybe take a look at the, the feet of the person next to you. Uh, and some of you aren't wearing shoes, but... <laughs> Keep on staring at those, those feet of yours. I wonder where he's wanting to take those feet uh, of yours. What shoes is he calling you to, to slip on? What places may he be wanting to send you with, uh, with 
those shoes, some of you have really nice shoes. And you have nice feet. But <laughs> where is he wanting to take us with these, these shoes of ours, these, these feet of ours? Maybe, maybe alongside people who are just overwhelmed with life. Maybe, maybe alongside people who just, they, they didn't even know who Jesus is. They, they wouldn't recognise him. Maybe, you know, what, what journeys might he be calling each one of us to walk with, with others on? Because I believe that God is very interested in having us walk with others and, and love and represent him really well. Amen. And so, you know, in Ephesians 6 is part of the, the armour of God passage that and we've all been given to wear the this, this spiritual armour, the, the belt of truth and the, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. It says that we have our feet fitted, our feet shod with, with uh, the, the, the gospel of peace. In, in other words, this gospel message that we each carry on the, on the inside of us, we, we actually wear it like, like, like feet fitted with shoes, which of course shoes are designed to move and, and go places and, and walk. And, and we get to do that and release peace wherever it is we go. Jesus said this in John 20, 21, He said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I am sending you. God is a sending God. And uh, He sent His Son Jesus into the world and He sends us in, in the same way. The problem is, is we want people to come into our world, right? We, we, we want people to come to where we are. We want people to come to what we're doing. When God actually is wanting to send us to their worlds, to where they, to where they are. <laughs> we want people to come to us, to, even to come, to come in, in here. But Jesus is saying, well, actually, I want you to go out there. And He said, go into all of the world and make disciples. And so we cannot just expect people to come into our world, to turn up into, into our spaces. That, that's not how this is actually going to work. It's not how this gospel is, gonna, is going to, to, to get out. We go, we go into their world so Jesus can bring them into His world, right? Into His kingdom, into, into His domain. And we do that in many, many different ways, many practical ways, many, many uh, loving, supporting ways, namely our vocations, because we are all ministers of reconciliation and our, our vocation is our ministry. We are all missionaries, right? Out of, out of, this, out of this place. And, and we do that with our community involvement, our recreation. I get to promote one of those ways with, with sports chaplaincy. But, but listen, I, I believe that His empowering grace will be on you no more so than when you are going than when you are, are being sent, when you are in those spaces and places that are actually not your own. The Holy Spirit is really interested in that stuff. Walking with others, serving others, embodying Christ in, in a world, right, that so desperately, desperately uh, needs Him and whom He desperately loves. 
God's Spirit is on us. Do, do you believe that? His, the Holy Spirit is, is, uh, uh, is upon us, not just so that we can have a great time in here, and it was great, and, and we should do that. There is, there is you know, worship in an, is an end in itself. It's our greatest privilege, and, and the gathering place is so, so uh, important, but, but the Holy Spirit is upon us for those outside of these walls, not just in, in this space. The, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, Jesus said, is upon me, and we can, we can take that as well. The, the Holy Spirit is upon us because He has anointed us. He has anointed you. The Holy Spirit is upon you and He has and is anointing you. Why? To proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom for prisoners, to set the oppressed free. And so, you know, as a charismatic church, we believe in the gifts of the Spirit and and the fire of God, all of that stuff. But listen, the Holy Spirit gets most excited when you're going out when you're being sent, when you're doing this stuff beyond, beyond just these walls. And so in that seven mile walk that we began reading this morning that Jesus took with these, these two men, there, there are a few observations which, which I think might be able to help us as, as you and I slip on our crocs and uh, as we go out of this, out of this place. I've got... Uh, four things, just briefly to, to mention around this. As we read this passage, we see that number one, the two men that Jesus began to walk with, note that they were walking away from Jerusalem. It says in verse 13, these two men were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Jerusalem in the New Testament is kind of like the the center point of of Christianity. Uh, you know, it was the center of Jesus's ministry. In many ways, it kind of just kind of symbolized the focus of Christianity. It was where it was birthed. But what's really interesting as we see these two men walking away from Jerusalem, not not toward it. In other words, they were leaving. They were, going, they were going away. And my, my point is this, that the people that God, the Holy Spirit, is gracing each one of us to reach are not necessarily walking towards God. Many are actually going in the opposite direction. And, and this may be shocking to hear, but for many people, the church is the last place they're thinking about or even interested in. It's not on their radar. They're not thinking about this, this space, the, 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 the joy of gathering together. They're actually walking away from God. And we cannot just wait and hope or expect that somehow they're going to walk into your world, into our world, into our spaces, that, that it's, it's not... It's not Always going to happen like that. And yes, we can do all of the different things we, we, we are doing to draw and attract. We pray, pray for people. That's all amazing. In fact, why don't we just pray for that lady who, uh, who has, was the cancer diagnosis? Can we do that? I don't know if this is allowed to. Yeah. What was her name? Do you know her name? Anita. So God, we, we, we lift up as a church Anita to you right now. 
And we do thank you for your miraculous hand, Jesus. And we, we pray for Anita's complete healing. We thank you for the testimony of, of tumours and things shrinking. Man, you are amazing, God. We recognise the, the work of your hand upon her right now. Regardless of whether she's close or far from you, we thank you now for her healing completely in Jesus' Name. We pray, Anita, be healed in the Name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah. We can't just expect people to come into our worlds. We've got to go to them. We, we have to, to go to them because most of the people in our community, and it's not a, not a very nice statistic, but a lot of people are actually walking away from, not to our churches. And if we want them to experience Jesus, and if we want to be part of this great commission, then we are going to have to go out and meet them on that road, on that journey. All right, which is exactly what Jesus did. My second point, number two, is Jesus walked with them. Verse 15, as they were on their way, Jesus Himself came up and walked along with them. And it's a powerful picture of a life on mission, walking alongside people in their journey, in, in, uh, in their world. It says in, in verse 17, Jesus asks them, what are you discussing together as, as you walk along? In other words, what's going on in your life? What's happening in your world? What's causing you grief today? Well, he, he recognised there was something going on and he knew, of course, exactly what it was, but he asked questions. And Jesus listened to these two men begin to share, listen, even though he was the answer, literally. <laughs> he walked seven miles before he let them know it. Jesus allowed these two men to share and to talk for seven miles before they realised who it was they were talking to. Seven miles, that is for any math nerds like James here today, 11.62 kilometres. I'm sure you could have. It's like, I guess, what would that be? It's like walking from this space all the way to Petoni, probably about 11 11 kilometres, just listening and talking and walking. Two and a half hours just listening and walking and talking without letting them know who He actually was. And that's a challenge for us is are we able to listen and, and learn and journey with people and be present in their world? Are we able to love them regardless of, of stuff that that may be on them. It's, it's that classic phrase and it's a cliche in, 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 in kind of that pastoral world that people don't care how much you know, they just wanna know how much you care. And when they realise how much you actually do care, no strings attached, it's a powerful thing. But are we willing to, to spend the time to, to give of ourselves, to build relationship with people in, in our community, to show them that we do genuinely care? At the end of that seven mile walk, these two men, they turn to Jesus and they're still unaware of who He was. And it says, and it's my, my, my third point, that they, they strongly urged Jesus to stay because there was something about the engagement, His engagement in their world, the, the investment He was making that they begged Him to stay. To, Come on, please join us for dinner to even stay the night. 
Now, I'm not saying that we have to be, you know, friends with the world. The, the, the Bible says, I think it's in John 15, that Jesus talks about, you know what? There are going to be times and we will be hated by the world because we love God. But rather than stand on the, the, the sidelines of society and kind of look in from the outside and scrutinise and criticise and shake our heads in disdain, we get to go into those spaces and places. We get where we get invited to stay and fellowship and, and do community with people and to dine and sit at tables and represent Christ and be another way for people. Because the Jesus in you will rub off on people. He will. The Holy Spirit in us is dying to get out. Someone once said, everyone wants a king like Jesus. And if we represent him well, they'll want his body too, the church. There's, there's, there'll be something attractive, something compelling. There is something attractive, something compelling about the message that you carry, not just your feet, but what you're carrying on on the inside. Lastly, from, from this account is this, this moment after Jesus, he, he stays with them. It's in verse 31. It's my last point. It says that their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened and they recognised Him. They suddenly realised, oh, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's, it's an amazing thing and I don't understand how it was that He was hidden from them. I'm sure you've got uh, ideas, but do you know the Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe. 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4. the God of this age has blinded the minds or the eyes of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Do you know what? When, it, when it's all said and done, it's Jesus we want people to see, right? It's not us. Not like, look at me, look at me. It's Christ in us that we want to point people, people to. But we've got to understand that there are scales, like a spiritual kind of blindness that stops people from hearing and stops people from seeing the light of the gospel. But would we present Christ in such a way that by our willingness to be included as sent ones, to go out, to walk with, to, to stand alongside, to pray with people, to, to, to love them, that their eyes, the, the eyes of their heart will be opened up by that love and they would see the light of the glory that, that we carry that displays Christ. Would our examples of, of Jesus begin to break down those walls in other people, that those scales would fall off? And as I said, the, the glory of God in us would begin to shine brightly and shine out into those ones. Isn't that an amazing privilege to carry that, to be those, those kinds of people? I love this line in, in, verse, in verse 32, and I'll, I'll wrap up with, with this. From these two men, when Jesus had left, he'd, he'd, he left the building, right? He, in his resurrected form. They, they say this, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? Were, were not our hearts burning? There was something about that man, 
something that he carried that caused our hearts to burn for something else. And so would, would, would our lives, as we walk on this road, as we do our own seven-mile journeys with, with others, as we take the, these, these missions of 11.62 kilometres, would our example and love cause their hearts to burn for, for something else or for someone else, some, someone more to, to burn for Jesus? Why don't, we, um, why, don't we, why don't we stand and I, I, I just want to pray. God, I thank you for the spaces and places that you, you have us. And God, may this be a reminder that, that, that not just our jobs, it's not just stuff that we do during the week from Monday to Friday, it, it's not just uh, accidental, but Lord, there is purpose in what you have us do and where you have us walk. Help us to recognise that we carry this message into our work, into our homes, into all of those spaces and places where you have us. And as we slip on those, the shoes of the gospel of peace, help us to realise that we get to release your kingdom wherever it is we go. Help us to realise that Holy Spirit, you are upon us as sent ones and that you're no more excited to use us powerfully than when we're doing that very thing. I pray for every person here today as, as they head into their weeks, as they do stuff, as they go to work, as they, as they go back to school, or those finishing up, as all the stuff that we're doing in our week. God, I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Christ upon us. I thank you for your power and your presence using us despite even ourselves, despite our questions, despite even our lack of faith that God, you, in this relationship, you are perfect. And I pray for many, many more testimonies as we recognise and step into a life of mission, a life of representing you, a life, God, of walking with others and loving others praying for others, whatever that may, may look like. I pray, do it again and again and again and again. And Lord, let a fire be caught on the inside to, to do these very things. I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Pretending No yoke to bear
Come apart.